Hi, you're listening to Invest in You with Frederick Sandval and Shirley and Ivan, a platform to enrich entrepreneurs globally with the power of positivity and sharing. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the podcast Invest in You. Today, we've got a special guest all the way from America, Mark Devine, and uh, he is a uh, former uh, commander with the Navy SEALs, and I can't wait to get in to share some of his experiences. And who else is on the call from Sweden? Uh, me and Ivan. Right. So, great. So, high-level Mark Devine, he's a best-selling author. He has been with the Navy SEALs for a number of years. Uh, he has also written many books that you can find on Amazon, and he's got his YouTube channel, quite a big following, called SealFit, uh, but we'll give him many chances to talk about himself. So, Ivan, over to you. Okay, Mark, uh, if you have to explain, what is SealFit in your own words? Uh, Ivan, thanks very much. Super nice to meet you, buddy. SealFit is a training regimen and a mindset that is uh, essentially designed to help individuals get physically, mentally, and emotionally fit at the level appropriate to operate at an, you know with an elite unit like the SEALs. Originally, um, back in 2006, 2007, I designed the program to prepare Navy SEAL candidates to get through their training here in the United States, which is you know the most arduous training that we have yeah. for a special ops unit, and arguably one of the more interesting and um, innovative training programs for all special ops <laughs> around the world. And many have yeah. been, many techniques have been borrowed and modeled. And so I, I designed the program, Ivan, to actually uh, prepare SEAL candidates and it was very effective. Uh, uh, the trainees who come through our training, 90% uh, of them were getting through SEAL training and doing it with a smile. And then the program expanded to uh, be open to, you know, any civilian, any athlete or individual who was, um, willing to put in the time to train at that level, which was uh, uncommon, an uncommon level, right? The, one of our um, programs is 50 hours of nonstop physical, mental, and emotional team training. No sleep, just around the clock. And that's modeled after the Navy SEALs infamous Hell Week. Perfect. So I hope that helps you understand <laughs> kind of what it's about. Uh, it's not for the weak of heart or the faint of heart. The training is extremely transformational though because our intention is to have people enter the program at one level of development and then egress the program literally as a different individual someone who has transformed themselves particularly at the emotional level and the ability to connect and really understand what it means to be a good teammate and to support a team and they understand that you can't you know get through the hardest situations in life alone um, you often have to ask for help and you have to understand your strengths and weaknesses so you can leverage your strengths for the team, but also shore up your weaknesses through the help of your teammates. So, you know, these are experiences that a lot of people have difficulty finding or exposing themselves to in our world because, you know, we've, especially in the Western world, kind of grown up thinking that the individual is the center of the universe and that we can solve all our own problems. And that's just simply not true, as uh, I'm sure you guys are aware, even at your young age. Yeah. We yeah. are. Yeah, that, well, just hearing that brings back many memories to my first weeks with, <laughs> with the military, yeah. so I can completely relate to that. Right, yeah. right. Uh, I think it's, a, you know, that type of training, although not for everyone, no. is extremely valuable, and I'm a big proponent of everyone finding some, some form of crucible as a rite of passage to really help them understand some of these principles. 
and without that, then, you know, you could go through your whole life. You're kind of missing some really essential truths about how to live well as a human being and also to deepen your connection with others. And so yeah. you kind of, you can get stuck behind a little wall of ego uh, without breaking that ego down at a younger age. Yeah. 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 And I'm super pleased to have Ivan and Charlie on board on, on the podcast because they're, they're 14 and 15 to have very experienced people like yourself, Mark, to hear uh, about life experiences really uh, yeah. distilled into a few sentences. That's super powerful. So I'm, I'm very grateful that you're, you're on board and sharing your, your thoughts. So yeah. Ivan and Charlie, we can't talk about the specifics, obviously, about, for example, military operation. Uh, what would you like to know about a Navy SEAL? Any of you have got a specific question around that? Well, uh, with, with this training, how much is mental and how much is physical? Great question. The mental, physical, emotional actually all co-arise. And so it's really difficult to say, you know, X percent is physical and X percent is mental. Even though some people will say, yeah, 80% is mental. Well, that's just a platitude. Um, physical, mental, and emotional, like I said, all co-arise in that the emotional is expressed through the felt experience of the body. And the stronger and more fit and more um, prepared your body is, then the uh, more controlled your emotions are going to be, right? So you could say that the physical preparation actually supports the mental and emotional strength that you have in the SEAL training. Uh, having said that, if you were to look at the training and say, well, what's the basic prerequisite to get in the front door? It's going to be physical fitness. And so everybody who starts training in a SAS or SEAL type program is by the very definition of the prerequisites going to be physically fit and capable theoretically capable of making it through the program. Now, of course, you could say some are more prone to injuries, less durable, don't have the endurance, whatever, but largely that comes down to the mental side, which is in the preparation. Did you prepare your body in a complete sense? Like with SEAL fit training, we look at um, uh, five physical domains, strength, stamina, the capacity to do a lot of work in a short period of time, which is sort of like CrossFit style training, really high intensity, short bursts, uh, endurance and durability. Now that last one is one uh, that a lot of training programs just kind of gloss over. They don't understand it or they just don't do it. For us, durability is one of the most important aspects of being a military special operator. And that's like being able to carry a lot of shit around, yes. <laughs> right? And not get injured, right? So you might be yeah. <laughs> like hiking, right, Frederick, for 20, 20 miles or 20 clicks with, you yeah. know, 70, 80 pounds in your back, carrying a weapon in one arm and you're, and you know, you're, you're in boots and pants and going over, you know, rocks and rugged terrain. And if you haven't trained your body to do that, then it's easy to get um, injured, right? A back injury, knee yeah. injuries, hip injuries, those things tend to really put people out of commission. So you can train that durability. That's a big part of, of the physical training. But as you can imagine, training durability sucks. It's hard work. And so that <laughs> by its very nature starts to forge mental toughness and resiliency, which is the ability to persevere, the ability to keep going even when the suffering sets in. So you get comfortable being uncomfortable. You get comfortable with suffering because you understand it's making you stronger, more durable, and which means you'll be able to accomplish your mission, whether it's getting through training or a real-world mission. And then this piece that we started this whole conversation with is, you know, I, you know, this training preparation is best done with a team, a swim buddy, 
And um, you really have to rely on each other. You have to be open in your communication. You have to set your ego aside. We have to be able to ask for help and to be able to receive sometimes fierce criticism of our, you know, behavior and yeah. or critique, I should say, of our behavior and our performance and not take that personally. So therein uh, lies the emotional development. And that is also another reason why a lot of people fail in training programs like the SEALs or in anything hard in life is because the emotional control, they, they get frustrated, they get depressed because they don't see they're making progress, they uh, can't overcome the failures which inevitably show up throughout the training. Yep. And instead of seeing them as you know, minor obstacles that they can learn and grow from, they see them as major inflection points that are a go, no-go criteria and they quit. So the physical, mental, and emotional are all equal part and parcel of the experience, but you can train them in a way that they all strengthen together, right? So you wouldn't necessarily train, go out and train emotional development without doing hard things with your team if you want to be a military special operator. You want to do things that are going to cause emotional challenges while you're moving your body, while you're carrying things, while you're you know, forging mental toughness. Do you see what I'm saying? They kind yeah. of go hand in yeah. glove. Have you heard of David Goggins? Because he's yes. really yeah. like a I know David. and the mindset and all of that. I've read right. his book. Have you? Yeah, his book is great. It's called Can't Hurt Me. And yeah. it's really um, about his life and how he persevered from an extremely rough childhood with an abusive father and, you know, he's, you know, witnessed murder and just really, really challenging childhood and, um, and even failed in his first attempt to go through pararescue, yeah. which is the uh, Air Force uh, medical, you know, flying medics, essentially, <laughs> parachuting medics. Um, and, he, and he had to lose a lot, lot of weight. And, you know, basically, he just kept on persevering until he finally made it into the SEALs and, and he became this like intense endurance, driven endurance athlete. And he routinely goes out and runs, you know, 100 mile races and whatnot. Yeah. But um, you're right. He and he's good. He's great at basically pointing out that it's the mind that really drives uh, the body. And even when the body, you know, hits where you think the wall is, you're always capable of 30 to 40 percent more. I love the story of his where his first hundred mile race, he finds that his basically his legs are broken, you know, yeah. at like 70 mi mile 75 <laughs> or 80. <laughs> and he says, screw it. He just keeps on running yeah. one mile after another. Yeah. yeah Goggins is a great guy. Yeah, it's it's common common sometimes to have all of these injuries uh, in in both operations, but also especially in training, we try to force yourself to move the boundaries. Uh, yeah. one, one thing that uh, stuck with me from all the time was how the officers, including myself later, I was an officer, kind of like teased and tempted people to like, are you sure you don't want to quit? Uh, it's very yeah. easy to quit. Uh, I'm sure you right. don't want to have this burger here. Uh, how, how do you relate to that in, in a training scenario? Yeah, well, that's kind of a tactic. We use a lot of different <laughs> tactics to try to um, evoke uh, weakness or evoke moments of questioning where the individual can then, um, you know, take a look or have a, a be confronted with an emotional uh, challenge, right? And so... Yeah when you're cold and miserable and you've been up for hours and suddenly and the instructors are there saying, Hey, hot coffee and donuts for the quitters or, or the first, first piece of person, you know, to quit will, uh, will, will secure the training. And so someone yeah. like says, thinks they're doing everyone a favor by quitting yeah, yeah, and yeah. then they have all that regret <laughs> associated with it. So it's an opportunity 
to expose yeah. an emotional uh, weakness. And then, you know, in that moment of choice, the individual has the opportunity to see that, to see yeah. it as an object, to see that what um, is coming up, which is being, you know, artificially induced by this kind of clever instructor yeah. is an opportunity to get stronger. And if they take that opportunity, then they'll never be swayed by that, you know, by that potential weakness again in the future. If they don't um, overcome it, then oftentimes they will quit and they'll have yeah. to. Um, yeah, it's, it's better that they quit in the training than, than in operation for sure. Yeah, that's true. And that's part of the thinking here. You, you, want, you want teammates who you can absolutely trust in order to know that you're going to trust them in combat. You got to poke and prod and expose those weaknesses yeah. in training. Yeah. Uh, I, I, one thing about Ivan's training when he's doing his 5K, like personal best kind of running, I think he's pushing himself too hard, but that's not really the right thing to say to him. Uh, Ivan, would you like to explain like your, your, your Sunday routine to, to Mark? Well, I can tell you what I w was doing when it was kind of at its peak. So I was training for a national championship mm -hmm. in Taekwondo, which is a martial art. Yeah, and uh, I was really behind in the, in the cardio and the conditioning. So one thing I did to remedy that is after like three months of a lot of running, I did 35 days straight of a maximum five-kilometer run. Okay. And yeah. And how'd that go so, for you? It improved. My five-kilometer <laughs> improved. And it, it felt sure like it did. It fall off. <laughs> and you never wanted to run 5K again in your life, probably. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. okay. Yeah, no, exactly. Getting the wrong relationship to running is not ideal. So, yeah. But yeah. no, it's good. I mean, sometimes... Yeah, go ahead, Mark. I was going to say, when it comes to physical training, what you did is actually a very good way to break through to um, a resistance or kind of a stuck point, right? You just really zero in on a singular thing. Like, if I, you have to do 20 pull-ups to be able to even get into SEAL training, to have a, you know, any you know, remote chance. So you just do pull-ups every single day. You know, you put a pull-up bar in your kitchen and every time or your bathroom, every time you go through it, you get up there and, you know, just max out your pull-ups. And eventually you just find that your pull-ups improve. They become normal, simple, yeah. and you can do 20, no problem. Uh, having said that, for general training, variety is really important as well. Otherwise, you just keep, you know, you're just grinding yourself a groove if you just do the same things all the yeah. time. And that's a issue I kind of have with most people's training programs. They, they, they don't really have an effective training program. They just kind of go to the gym and do the same things over and over or they go to the same classes and do the same things over and over. And not only is that demotivating, but eventually you're creating movement patterns that are just um, going to lead to an injury or burnout. So yeah. variety is very good as you guys are probably aware. Lo love, to, love to hear your thoughts on uh, the, the place of recovery as part of your uh, weekly, monthly training. This is mainly for your sake, Ivan, and everyone else listening. <laughs> well, of course, uh, <laughs> as Fred knows, the older we get, the more we value recovery because the yeah. body demands it. Having said that, you know, research is starting to realize that recovery is extremely important, even for the young elite athletes, you know, in their, in their late teens and 20s and even 30s. And um, recovery is really a mindset. It, it doesn't have to be like an equal amount of time. Let's say you do a, a two and a half hour seal fit grind, you know, just intense grind workout. And um, these workouts have been proven, you know, we, we call them the operator rods or workouts of the day. And if you do that three to five times a week and you do it for three to six months, I mean, you are going to be in the best shape 
probably ever and yeah. most well-rounded shape because you're focusing on strength, stamina, work capacity, endurance, durability, and mental toughness. Having said that, if you don't take a day of active recovery and a day off every week, a full day off, you will just grind yourself you know, in, into a, a huge rut. And then having uh, at the end of your training period, whether it's three months or six months, depending upon your capacity, you're going to need to take time off as well. Like this is not, it's just not something you can just continue to do. Um, you have to take time and just really change up the paradigm and um, let your body and your nervous system and uh, your metabolic system, all the systems kind of reset and recover. And when you do that, you come back much stronger, much, yeah. much stronger. So I think there's um, recovery has, like you, you alluded to, a daily aspect to it. Like what are you going to do each day to go in and to check in and, and to really recover from whatever uh, hardship or training or, or, or pressure that you put on or stress that you induce. And that might be just 20 minutes of breathing. And then every week you're going to want to have a active recovery day, which is where you kind of throttle down, but you still work. And so that might be like a long walk or a swim or yoga. And then you want a day of rest. The day of rest doesn't mean you do nothing. It just means you're, you're really not taxing the system. So you might just do some stretching, some Qigong, some Tai Chi. You know, that would be the day to just to practice your katas uh, yeah. in Taekwondo, but, but not in a really intense, rigorous way, but just more like mentally, you know, slow, smooth, smooth as fast kind of way. And that really gives your nervous system a total reset. It helps your immune system and whatnot. And then, you know, look at the same thing at a quarterly level, monthly and quarterly. What are your days or, you know, maybe take two days off a, a month and then every quarter you take a week of just active recovery and, you know, downloading. Um, we call them deload weeks. Yeah. 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 Stuff like that. So it's really important and I, it can't be overstated because most people are prone toward action and recovery feels like non-action. It feels like you're not doing anything. And if you change your mindset around that and recognize that recovery is as important as the work, and in fact, it enhances the work, and the work without the recovery will lead to a degradation in your performance, then you can start to enjoy the recovery for what it is. It's a super important part of your training. Uh, thank you for sharing that. That means a lot to come from you and not only from me. <laughs> Surely, any questions? I like my, my, my son listens to about five percent of what I say, <laughs> but over time, I see him starting to finally get it. He's twenty right now, so great. <laughs> Surely, any thoughts from your side? Well, yeah, I know that you invest a lot in yourself, uh, and our podcast name is called Investing You, which is quite fitting. So, like, what does investing in yourself mean to you? Well. My philosophy is master the self in service to others. Um, mastery of the self requires investment of time, energy, focus, mental power, uh, emotional awareness, and money. This precedes the service to others until, until you have reached a level of mastery where they become sort of a simultaneous thing. You're, you work every day in doing things that are going to improve and evolve yourself while simultaneously serving others and they're mutually supportive. But if you go out and you haven't invested in yourself and you attempt to serve others in whatever way is meaningful to you, then often um, that service falls flat because it's done from, uh, from a place where you're not 100% prepared, uh, body, mind, and spirit. You may be doing it for uh, you know, egoic needs or to impress people or because you know, your college entrance exams 
or um, applications uh, ask for your service and so you're doing yeah. it you know, for some transactional need. And then that's going to fall flat. It's not going to support your growth. So service and self-mastery are both really important, but master the self, in my uh, view, is uh, preeminent because if you're broken or you're not coming from the right place, then the service falls flat, like I said. So how do I invest in myself? Probably the biggest way is time. Everyone is so distracted and overcommitted that they tend to think, well, I don't really have time to do meditation. I don't have time to also move my body in an integrative way, like through somatic movement like yoga or, or tai chi or martial art. Or I don't have time to, to get to the gym and do my strength training and work and durability. And, and that's all bullshit, right? Because what happens is when you actually carve out the time, you're getting all that recovery benefit that we already talked about, but you're also restoring, you're energizing, you're clarifying your mind, you're developing yourself, you're mastering yourself so that when you go out and, and then fulfill your commitments, you're much more powerful, much more focused. And more importantly, you're able to say no. You've got the self-confidence and the clarity to say no to, to things that um, aren't really aligned with your calling, your duty, or your passion. Yeah. And what happens is you tend to find yourself with a, a lot more time on the other end, right? Because now all of a sudden, you're not wasting your time with um, unproductive or unaligned people, things, and commitments, right? So these, it works kind of a, in a mutually supportive way. The more time you spend mastering yourself and investing in yourself, the more time you save doing the right thing for the right reasons. And um, also, you save a lot of time by not chasing uh, things down rabbit holes that you shouldn't even be chasing yeah. to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Sean is uh, towards the end of the first version of uh, a book. We'd love to hear more about uh, your forthcoming book, uh, Staring Down the Wolf. I love the title, love the front page, uh, some high-level ideas. And guys, wherever you are listening, this book will be available early March 2020. Yeah, that's what it looks like. The, the title came from actually the my book, Unbeatable Mind, has a picture of me staring down the wolf. I think, I don't know yeah. if you, you can yeah, see yeah. it behind me. <laughs> And really, that is a, a reference to staring down your fears and your shadow and um, the emotional issues that hold you back. The book is written uh, for leaders, and leaders can be you know, anywhere from you know, like guys your age, Ivan, Charlie, all the way up to you know, uh, Fred and I leading organizations and, yeah. and doing, you know, doing important things in life, which we are all doing. And um, my, my insights are that, you know, no matter how effective we think we are, it's our emotional baggage that tends to block elite level performance in the team because the team gets the full brunt of all your emotional baggage and your emotional shadow and your projections and, you know, emotional lack of awareness, even though if, uh, even though you might be ignorant to them, I have these things called the seven in the book. I discuss these seven commitments that a leader in a team and his or her team can make to really uh, help the team flourish and find that 20x potential, that 20 times potential. And those are courage, trust, respect, growth, excellence, resiliency, and alignment. And I have some great stories from some you know special operators and operations on how those commitments are really upheld and, and what do they look like. But then I juxtapose that against my own leadership experiences where my shadow 
emotional baggage got in the way and I wasn't able to uphold that commitment and things broke down, like trust broke down or respect broke down. Yeah. And so it's kind of showing this yin and yang, you know, that we can go do, try to do great things. But if we don't also take time to cultivate our self-awareness and our emotional development, then we will thwart our own progress, so to speak. So that's what staring down the wolf is about. Um, I'm really excited about the book. It's kind of the most vulnerable I've been. And as you know, military guys don't like to be vulnerable. I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. I know. And I, I could feel that when you spoke about it as well, talk about your own failure as well. Um, I mean, I, I've written a book about trust. That's also really put yourself on a, on a pedestal and really right. people will use that against you if you fail with any matter of it, obviously. And, and, uh, right. and that's something we have to take. That's uh, right. And, that's, I think it's the next frontier for leadership development is to really uh, cultivate the authenticity so that you can take the masks off and stop yeah. pretending to be perfect and you know admit your failures, admit when you're wrong, and, and everyone can grow with and through that team experience when everyone begins to support each other and get out of their ego, right? So in order yeah. to do that, we've got to develop past the egoic and even the, the tribal sense of self we have to open up to more the connection that we all share and then also honor our differences but not um separate because of them so. yeah i'm pretty sure that uh, when you're in the navy seals you get to work in some pretty amazing places so is there like any particular place that has been especially interesting that you've worked in yeah, I will. I'm not sure I would use the term amazing, um, <laughs> but in, but interesting. <laughs> yeah, the, I've been in a lot of dumpy places. And <laughs> dumpy is a you know I would use a different term, but you know I don't want to damage your 14 year old ears. Yeah, I've uh, been in over uh, uh, like 50 some odd countries, and um, usually in the worst places in those countries. But um, you know, I, I really enjoyed working throughout East Asia, like some really interesting Same. and nice people. Uh, the cultures are very cool over there, Dif- very different. And also, um, I spent a lot of time in the Middle East, which I'm really glad I did because, you know, it's, it's easy to misunderstand Middle Eastern cultures if you just view it from the lens of the network TV and, you know, warfare and everything that's been going on. Yeah which is what we get fed. But, you know, there's some beautiful people uh, over there. And also, you know, kind of like back to what I was saying in my book about my book, you know, the traveling, traveling itself, especially being a military operator, you really get to see the best and the worst of humanity. And you recognize that, you know, those energies exist in everybody, right? So, you know, some of the best people have the most evil intentions deep inside and some of the worst people have the propensity for great good and so really is kind of that balance between the light and the dark the negative and the positive good versus evil exists in all humans and so it's you know it's incumbent upon us to really try to work on ourselves to bring out our best every day and to bring out the best in our teams and our families until you eradicate the preconditioned negative tendencies and that's one of the, the biggest challenges with war-torn areas or places that are really poverty-stricken or that are just influenced by a lot of negativity, you know, such as, you know, despotic regimes and whatnot, is that the individuals don't necessarily have the privilege of doing what we're doing, you know, to to listen to podcasts and to read great books and to be inspired by other people, which helps people like elevate themselves and 
and um, eradicate negative tendencies. And so sometimes they can trapped in these cycles of negativity, which can go through, you know, generationally through families or tribes or places. And it can be hard to break out of that, you know? So it it gives you great activity. You can't see beyond it. That's right. Yeah. You get really stuck. And so, um, I think that's why I have a very, very positive view of the future because I think, you know, social media and the internet, you know, and for all its flaws has disseminated truth and will continue to disseminate truth throughout the world. And that, that light does essentially push away darkness over time. The more information, the more people are exposed to good thinking and good role models, then they, uh, more and more people will step up and you know, haul yeah. their communities and their cultures out of negative you know, tailspins. Yeah. I'll, I'll share a secret weapon with you guys. And... Um the secret weapon is, is a little bit linked to the staring down the wolf, but it's actually the power of a smile. It can work in a very hostile environment. You can work in negotiation. You can work with the tribal leaders. You can work with anyone. Uh, share a story of where the, the power of the smile was really serving you well. Well, it served me well a lot. Yeah, um, I can see. Even in a, you know, like you said, in, in warfare in, in environments where no, there's very little trust, one way to engender trust is a, is a heartfelt smile, not a fake yes. smile, but like yeah, exactly. a genuine you know, smile that comes from the heart, which is it's felt and seen in the eyes, right? It's not yeah. so much about the lips or the, you know, how the mouth moves, yeah. but it's felt to the eyes and a genuine heartfelt connection. You know, I, one of the things that I've learned through um, my many years of meditation is that we are all interconnected. We all are connected in this kind of vast web and our minds are, have this intense power, right, to include or exclude. And just the thought of being inclusive and genuinely connecting someone at a heart level with a smile will bring them into a co-created space of, um, you know, positive energy and, and yeah. it's uplifting. Yeah. And yeah. it is super powerful. I'm not talking about, you know, positive psychobabble right it's just the at the energetic the subtle level of the human experience you know in the divine matrix so to speak yeah. you know positive no, energy will, will connect you know will connect and radiate positive energy out just you know, just like negative energy will so yeah the more you can bring that positive energy into your own field and as a daily practice then the more you'll see things are positive and people will be responding positively and smiling is a great way to to do that great yeah, great uh, question though. Yeah, thank Sh- you. Surely, right, we've got like yeah, two, you're, two, you're, two questions each. One, one each only. Okay. How about what are like one of your favorite exercises without weights? Because I do a lot of body weight training, so I'm interested if any uh, of those exercises you do. Body weight or, or loaded? Okay. Uh, body weight. Body weight, burpee. Yeah. Burpee yeah. is my favorite exercise. Uh, we have a foundation called the Courage Foundation which raises money and awareness and, uh, for vets uh, who are suffering from post-traumatic stress, as well as putting them through, uh, you know, small cohorts through integrated, you know, training that includes our unbeatable mind training. And um, we challenged our tribe to do 22 million burpees in 2018, and we got to 20 million, so we're still chipping away. <laughs> and I did 130. <laughs> Isn't that great? So the burpee, the burpee is... Um, a complete body exercise, right? Yeah. So you're, you're dropping, you're doing a, pu- a full push-up, you're jumping to a squat, then you're doing a jump. So you're getting the plyometric, you're getting a squat, you're getting you know, so all the strengthening of ankles, knees, hips. 
spine, shoulders, chest. It's, it's just an extraordinary exercise. And the only equipment you need is your body, right? That's why body weight is yeah. so effective training because it's no excuses training. You know, you, wherever you go, there you are. You're, you carry your gym with you. Yeah. So it's kind of nice. Did, did I hear a number there for 2019 for yourself? I did 130,000 burpees in 2018. <laughs> That's quite extraordinary. <laughs> Every one of them was awesome. <laughs> and I still do 100 a day. I just like do the fly. Yeah. It's like brushing teeth, brushing your teeth. Just do burpees every day and you'll be, you'll be good to go. <laughs> Perfect. Good one. How can people find you? What follow your work? Uh, any recommendations, etc.? Well, a lot of people are enjoying our podcast. It's the um, Unbeatable Mind or Mark Devine's Unbeatable Mind podcast. Yeah. And um, it's on iTunes and uh, Stitcher, basically wherever podcasts are found. Yeah. Um, and then um, my website, my personal website is markdevine.com. And so I have a blog there and we post the podcast there. So that's a good place to find me. And if anyone's interested in the hardcore seal fit training, then our website is sealfit, S-C-A-L-F-I-T.com. Yeah. And our leadership development program for corporate executive leaders, entrepreneurs, and teams is called unbeatablemind.com. Yeah. Thanks for that. Is, is your uh, eight-week uh, uh, training program on, on Amazon, is that suitable for Ivan? He's already super fit. That, uh, Definitely, inspiration? yeah. The eight weeks of SealFit program is actually much longer than eight weeks, yeah. but the, the, the you know, meat and potatoes, the hardest part is an eight-week eight uh, section where we do the operator workouts, but we have a body weight on-ramp, and then we have a, a program to kind of a scaled weight program, which would be appropriate for more of a teenager. Yeah. Um, and the loads prescribed for the operator wad are really designed for, you know, uber fit, 24-year-old yeah. Navy SEAL type people. So it'd be aspirational to work toward yeah, that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but the workouts are great. I would do them, like I said, three times a week instead of the prescribed five, you know, for beginners. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Good for dad, dad to do them with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like it. Great stuff. Uh, Ian, did you come up with a last question from your side? Yeah, yeah I did. Uh, do you lift a lot of weights when it comes to your seal fit stuff? Because uh, I hear some people talking about, oh, it's just running and endurance and mental. And then some people say, oh, strength is really important because it helps with your work capacity. And yeah. what's your take on that? Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of strength training in the program. Every workout has a strength. Uh, most every workout has a strength component. And yeah. even in the stamina component, we're moving weight. We're just moving weight at a lighter load and, and different types of odd objects, more like sandbags and yeah. kettlebells. But we use barbell training and also um, any kind of a, like a heavy object for strength training. And we focus really on the major compound lifts such as deadlift, back squat, front yeah. squat, bench press. Uh, we don't get, oh, and we do also do Olympic, so, you know, like the clean and jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't do as much of that personally anymore, um, mostly because <laughs> of my own training yeah. and time commitments. I, I spend a lot more time doing my martial arts and, and a key, you know, which is a keto as well as meditation and yoga. And so my physical training, uh, even though I do weighted training, it's, it's collapsed down to 45 minutes uh, or so a day, five, six days a week. Yeah. So we're about to cut off here. We have spent the 40 minutes we had, uh, super. Thank you from London and Sweden. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, thank yeah, you. No, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks guys. Appreciate you uh, doing what you're doing. So keep yeah. investing in yourselves. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Thanks guys. Until Appreciate next time. It. Cheers. Cheers.